Again, that's Matthew 26, 36 through 46. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and sat down and said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time, he went away and prayed, saying, O my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them, went away again, and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Good morning. It is good to see each of you. Again, if you're visiting with us, we welcome you. We're glad you're here. You encourage us by your presence, and we hope that our being together and worshiping together can be an encouragement to you also, as well as uh, a gift to God as we offer our adoration to Him. This is the beginning of a week that will end this weekend in hopefully and prayerfully a marvelous fashion. Uh, we have a big, big weekend plan. You, each of you have received a little flyer telling about the events on one side of the flyer about Saturday and on the flip side, the events of Sunday. We want to encourage all of you to plan to come by the building at least one time, sometime Saturday. And we hope and know that some of you will probably come by many times. It's not a dress up an occasion, come as you are. We are going to be praying on the hour all day long, from 6 in the morning to 10 at night. I know when I've talked to the various ones that would be leading the prayers, some said, oh, I can't do that Saturday, I have plans. And then when they heard the hours, they said, well, I can fit into those plans. I'm sure all of you can fit into the plans some way between 6 and 10 o'clock. And so let's make sure that from 6 in the morning to 10 in the evening, we make our plans to come here and what we want to do Saturday is pause to thank God for every good gift that we can imagine, that we can pray about, especially in 2004. God has blessed us richly in this congregation. We also want to be praying about the things that we look forward to in 2005 to glorify God through our ministries. We also will be praying for every member here by name throughout the day. You have prayer request cards that also have been passed out. 
Please complete those by today and at the very latest Wednesday evening. And there are three boxes in the foyer. Uh, They're on various tables through the foyer on each end and in the middle. And please return these and your prayer requests will be prayed as we come together on Saturday. And also those prayer requests will be incorporated into a theme that we're going to carry throughout the end of the year. And that is beginning next Sunday will be 50 days of prayer. Now listen to how exciting this is. Over the last 50 days of this year, no fewer than 50,000 prayers will be offered as a result of these prayer requests. And 500,000 plus things will be prayed about. I believe that there's no doubt that over 300 of you will participate in the 50 days of prayer. If 334 of you participate in the 50 days of prayer, you'll pick up a card about this size next Sunday morning. There'll be seven different colors. You'll pick whatever color you want. There'll be ten things on that card to pray for. You'll be asked to pray, as Psalms teaches us, morning, noon, and night. You will pray for those ten things on that list. You'll do that for the next seven days. You'll bring the card back. You'll place it in that box and pull out another color card. And for the last 50 days of this year, we're going to pray for over a half a million things. And I'm sure this congregation is already full of people that pray. But we want to encourage each other to be prayerful people. As we study the topic of prayer, we're reminded that without God... We are nothing. And this is a goal and an effort to heighten our awareness, to deepen our roots in a very important topic of prayer. Next Sunday morning will be a harvest Sunday for us as we will take the time to think about new members, new ministries, uh, newborns, and to be prayerful in thanksgiving for those. Next Sunday night will be a prayer meeting where we'll come together and for most of that hour... We'll continue our weekend of prayer to God. Ted Turner is known for being outspoken against Christianity. In 1990, he was accepting an award by Human American Humanist Association in Orlando, Florida. As he gave a responsive speech to the award that was given to him, He talked about how at one time in his life he was very religious. He went on to explain that he was so religious he even thought about being a missionary as a young man. But then he said some things changed in my life. He said my sister became very sick. I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. And she died. And he said, I lost my faith. Is that the purpose of prayer? This morning, 95, mostly of this congregation, gathered early. Something very dear to them. That is to give honor to the lives of those that have deceased with breast cancer. And also to raise money to fight, to find a cure for this terrible disease. And as we gathered around, I couldn't help but think 
of how many prayers have been offered, even for those that have deceased. And so many have said that whole experience made them stronger. It made their life more committed, their faith deeper. What is the purpose of prayer? Is it to make us so that we just give up when we don't receive the answer yes, just as we wanted it? Or is prayer somewhat to help strengthen us? And is there more to it than even that? This morning, I don't suggest to you that we can even touch the hem of the garment in one lesson to study what is the purpose of prayer. But I do believe that if you and I begin to understand the purpose of prayer, that we will begin to realize that we cannot have a spiritual existence without indulging ourselves into a life of prayer. James, the fourth chapter in verse 2, he says, You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. What will it be like in heaven if God will let us play the what-if game? And if we say to God, God, what are all those things that you wanted to give to me and to my family, and the only reason you didn't give them is because you never asked? Can you imagine pulling that filing cabinet drawer open? Can you imagine God clicking on the mouse of the heavenly computer and showing on a PowerPoint presentation? And it's your name. And it's all of the things that God wanted to do for you. And God tells us through the book of James, you didn't get them. I wanted so much for you to have these things. But God is telling us in the book of James, there's some things that I just won't give you unless you take the time to ask for them. I like what one gentleman has written, Samuel Chadwick. The one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, and prayerless religion. He laughs at our toll, mocks at our wisdom, but trembles when we pray. What potential is there in prayer? What purpose is there in a life of prayer? I've heard individuals state all of my life, I believe in the power of prayer. I do too, but even more than that, you and I must realize that prayer is communication to a powerful God. If we believe in the power of prayer, remember it's not some kind of magical potion. It's believing that there's something powerful in committing a life and a communication to the Almighty God. Think with me for just a few moments about a couple of slides here as we think about individuals. And we will just touch this very quickly, but just think. How different would their life have been? Would they have reached the potential if they would have left prayer out of their life? Think with me about Gideon. Gideon gave a tremendous victory over the Midianites. Would he have had that victory without prayer? Think about Hannah. Hannah's womb was closed. She was barren. She wanted a little boy so much. She even promised God, I'll give him back to you. And no doubt, the hand that rocked that cradle had a powerful influence upon the world. David, 
We talk about David being a man after God's own heart and we think about his courage as he stood before Goliath. And we think about him being such a wise king. But friends, have you ever thought that maybe one of the reasons why he was a man after God's own heart is because the Psalms are just overfilling and overflooding with prayer and praise. He was a man devoted to praying to God. Nehemiah, no leader can think about being a great builder to leave a lasting impact for God upon this earth without thinking and studying about Nehemiah. He's one of the greatest examples we have of a godly man who led the way to be a great builder. How did he begin his journey to build? The first thing he did upon hearing the words of the condition of the wall was he fell to his knees and prayed. Oh, we think about Daniel. Friends, it wasn't just an awesome story that a man went into a lion's den and the mouths were closed. It was a man that had already made a life of praying three times a day, and that was part of the reason why he went to the lion's den. He didn't start his prayer life there. That was who Daniel was. Take prayer out of Gideon's life, and who do you have? A winner or a loser? Take prayer out of Hannah's life. And do you have that little boy that would change the world in such a powerful fashion and influence for God? Take prayer out of the life of David. Do you still have a man after God's own heart? Take prayer out of Nehemiah's plans and will the wall be built? Take prayer out of Daniel's life. Will he be the lunch of the lions? Will he still survive? On the next slide, I'll only show it to you for you if you'd like to do further study this week. Go through the book of Acts. Pick out two of the great characters of Acts. Look at Peter and look at Paul. Look how their prayer life was all about individuals. It was about churches. It was for God's work to be done. It was to change things. When they're incarcerated and it seemed that they didn't know what else to do, they would pray. When things were going great, they would pray. When things were difficult, they would pray. Their life was in full submission to God and their communication proved it. As a matter of fact, on the last paragraph there, we see that Paul prayed for others. In almost all of the epistles that Paul wrote, he either included a prayer or he mentioned the fact that he was praying for them. Friends, the point is very simple for you and I today, but it's very, very powerful. And that point is this. What? If I don't pray. What is the purpose of prayer? And if I don't pray, what have I robbed myself of? This morning we looked at a passage that's been so capably read. Matthew, the 26th chapter. Jesus entered into the garden of Gethsemane. As He entered into that garden, it is tremendous to us to think about the fact, Why? Why Jesus? Why then? Listen to this. What was His purpose? One thing I need to learn this morning is that prayer is a communion with God. Have you ever been through something in life and you say to yourself, I just have to talk with so-and-so. 
because they know what I'm going through. Or have you ever gone through something in life and you say, there's nobody on this earth that understands what I'm going through. When Jesus entered into the Garden of Gethsemane, if you'll notice there at the end of verse 30, or the beginning of 39, the beginning of the prayer, He says, Oh, my Father. Why is that so important? It was so important to Jesus on that day because He realized He had no one else that He could talk to that could understand what He was feeling and what He was going through. He was about to go through the shame of execution, the shame of being stripped, the shame of being beaten, the shame of wearing a crown of thorns, the shame of dying as a horrible criminal upon a cross. He was going to have to endure the pain. He was going to have to endure the mockery. There was so much expense, so much cost that he would have to endure. Who could understand that? He goes into that garden... And he asked the others to stay back and ask only the three closest to come in closer with him. Oh, they can understand. Peter, James, and John, they're tight. They can understand. No, they can't even understand. He turns around and they're sound asleep. Friends, what is the purpose of prayer? Prayer is the time that we can go to one that truly does understand. We can go to God in prayer at any time, night or day, for any duration of time, short or long, for something that others would say is insignificant or something that they would say is life-changing. And you know what? God is always there and God always understands. God is the one that I ought to build my life to such the extent that I say, I can't imagine not talking to God about everything. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 17, to pray without ceasing is that attitude that says, I want to commune with God. But notice, notice also, he also turned to others. He wanted them to be involved in prayer also. Notice at the end of 40 and 41, he came and found them sleeping and he said, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Why did He want them to watch? He says in 41, Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The Spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He wanted to commune with God, but He also wanted His friends to have communion with God also, to have that relationship, that communication, that dependency upon God. Why? Because He knew that the way to overcome temptation was to have that relationship. And he knew that they were going to go through a difficult night and a difficult three days of being tempted. How much does it bother you if you were to find out that your children didn't pray? If you say not very much, I suggest to you, you don't realize the purpose of prayer. We can't have a relationship with God without praying. Period. What does it mean to you if you find out that one of your Christian friends don't pray? Friends, this isn't optional. Would it bother you this morning if you'd have to think really hard about the last time you prayed on your own? 
friends, we can't have communion with God, fellowship and relationship with God, unless He's talking to us and we're talking to Him through prayer. Jesus was going through one of the hardest nights of His life. And you know where He turned? He turned into a quiet garden to spend time with His Father in prayer. To commune with Him. To find the strength to carry on. And to find the strength that carries on brings us to the next point. Another purpose of prayer is also to obey God. Turn with me, if you will, to Hebrews the 5th chapter. As you're turning to Hebrews the 5th chapter, I want to remind you that there in 39 when He said, Oh, my Father, if it is possible... Let this cup pass from me. What did he mean by the phrase, if it is possible? You know, when Mary was giving birth to Jesus, it said there in the Scriptures that with God, all things are possible. So if all things are possible, why is Jesus now praying, if it be possible? What's the problem here? Jesus' prayer, if it is possible, is praying that He wants to obey God And so he wants the prayer to be answered in any possible way that he still can obey the Heavenly Father. In other words, he knows that the cup is for him to die on the cross for the salvation of mankind. And he doesn't emotionally want to do that. His flesh is becoming weak at this point, dreading what is to come. His emotions are torn. But yet his faith is so strong that he doesn't pray, Lord, take this cup away from me. He says, if it is possible. I want to ask you something. How important is obedience at this point? How important was obedience in the life of Jesus? The Hebrew writer writes about this very same night. And notice what he says in Hebrews the fifth chapter. We're going to begin reading at verse 7 and read 7, 8, and 9. Listen for the words as we read in verse 8 about the Son, Jesus, and learning and obedience and suffering. Verse 7, "...who in the days of His flesh, when He had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to Him..." And you remember, one of the Gospels tells us that He even fell on the ground and that the sweat was dropping from his face as if it were great drops of blood. The Hebrew writer tells us he's crying. What does he say? Who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, made complete, He became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey Him. Jesus went into that garden and one of the purposes of His prayer was that He wanted to obey God. To pray is obedience to God because God commands us to pray. But then an attitude of prayer also has to be that I want to obey God even in the way I pray. The longings of my heart. Isn't it interesting that it says here Jesus learned obedience? Maybe we don't think about Jesus being a student or a learner. How many of us have ever heard the expression, experience is a great teacher? 
Some of us learn through our mistakes. Hopefully all of us do. But you know, Jesus didn't because He was perfect. But you know, Jesus did learn through experience. And up to this point in His life, He had not faced a trial like He was going to face. And the Hebrew writer looks back upon all of this and says, look at the lesson Jesus learned. In other words, Jesus went to the garden that night and He didn't pray, Lord, let me out of this. He prayed, Lord, I want to obey You in this. Give me the strength to do so if it can't be any other way. He goes to that cross and He dies and He's resurrected and the Hebrew writer can look back and say, look what was accomplished. Friends, to learn obedience is to struggle and to overcome. And if our idea of prayer is, Lord, I want you to take everything out of my life that's hard. I want you to take everything out of my life that's difficult. And Lord, if you don't, I don't want to serve you. Our prayers are not to advance us. And this takes us to our third point this morning. Our prayers are to advance God's agenda. Did you notice that each time, each time he prays and closes the first one by saying, not as I will, but as you will. In 42, he closes by saying, your will be done. Tonight we're going to study a prayer. And Jesus taught this prayer. And this prayer doesn't have please in it. The prayer even says, give us this day our daily bread. So I couldn't say to you that it's wrong to pray in that manner. That would be foolish. But I do want you to think about this. In our prayers... Are we requesting from God, God's will be done? Or are we telling God a wish list that we have for our lives? God is not some kind of cosmic bellboy that's at our beckoning call, and we bow our head and we say, Lord, heal so and so. Lord, make this opportunity available to me. And again, I can't say that it's wrong to not request and not to say please. But if that is the revealing of our heart, I can say that's wrong. We're approaching the Almighty God to do His will in our life and wanting Him to help us do His will. What authority do we have to say, God, I'm about to tell you what you're going to do. In our culture today, there is a huge difference when we say to someone, you do this, or if it's your will, could you please do this? That's a tremendous difference. Jesus, how did you pray? I wanted to advance the will of God. It wasn't about Jesus. 
It was about God. It was full submission to God. In 1 John, the 5th chapter, in verse 14. 1 John, the 5th chapter, in verse 14. Now this is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. James, the 4th chapter, in verse 3. Let's lay these two down side by side. So if we ask according to the will of God, He hears us. James 4 and 3, he says, You ask and do not receive, because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasures. So one passage says God hears, God answers, because we ask by the will of God. The other passage, James 4, says you ask, but you don't have, because you ask amiss. Well, how did you ask amiss? You wanted it for your personal gain. Which is bigger in your life? You? You? are the cause of Christ. Can we honestly say in our life that the cause of Christ is far more important than us? Can we honestly say that if it would advance the cause of Christ, I could sacrifice my life? Oh, that's big words. I know that would not be an easy place of maturity to reach spiritually. But friends, that's what our prayers have to become. That's the sign of growth and maturity when we can honestly pray in every avenue and aspect of our life, Lord, advance my life, advance the opportunities, advance the circumstances and situations in my life for Your will to be done. Not mine. He entered into that garden that night on one of the hardest nights of His life because He didn't have anybody else to talk to that would know Him like his father. And he entered in so that he could pray for strength to obey because he wanted to advance the cause of God. And that man that had been crying vehemently, that man that had been sweating as if it were great drops of blood, that had been lying flat on the ground, after he prayed that prayer repetitiously three times, after he'd been disappointed by friends that couldn't even stay awake, that man got up. And he woke up his friends and he said, my betrayer is near. In other words, he's saying, let's go meet him. How do you move to that point in one short evening? Tears, screaming, fear, saying, I'm ready. Let's march for God. Friend, that's prayer. Maybe in my life I disappoint myself. I disappoint God and I wonder why. Could be because I've taken prayer too lightly. My prayer is that over the next 50 days and my prayer life deepens. My prayer is that all of us will look more deeply into our relationship with God. It's not about us. It's about God. This morning, who's ruling your life? If you've ruled it long enough that you realize you can't do it, 
you're at the point that you know you need someone that can. If you've never been baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins, won't you give Him your life and commune with Him regularly? Maybe you've been baptized into Christ and somewhere along the way you've lost the focus, the importance, and all you know today is not why all that happened. You just know that you don't want it to happen anymore. You need to come back repenting, confessing sin, and praying forgiveness. Let's leave here this morning in a right relationship with God, obedient to God, advancing God's agenda, and we'll be a part of the greatest life that we can possibly live on this earth. If we can help you in any way, come as we stand, as we sing.